Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries, as today we are uh, finally at chapter 20 of Exodus. I uh, can't believe how fast we've been moving along here. And uh, chapter 20 is the, well, one of the most well-known and some of the most famous uh, well-known chapters. And uh, cha- chapter 20 consists of the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting because what I've been doing as of lately, um, I also, you know, in my other ministry work, I... I've been hosting uh, uh, Sunday gatherings, and um, and we've been going through the Ten Commandments, actually, uh, per each commandment, a very in-depth study on each commandment. And I will say it's been very enlightening to see, not just to, just to read what it is that God had said and be like, okay, we got that, but there was so much more in-depth to it that, that we don't understand at times until we really just have, have really dug into it. So today what we're going to be looking at is what I'd like to call the vertical commandments. The vertical commandments were the commandments that that were directed towards God first. Those are the first five commandments out of the ten. And the the last five are what we would consider the horizontal commandments. The horizontal commandments are the ones that are the commandments in regards to one another. So when I look at the Ten Commandments, when I look at the first five, these horizontal, see, God comes first, right? God comes first in all things, and and we're going to see those things that come first, because let's, let's look at the reality of the situation. If God isn't first, then then there's going to be trouble. So when we look at the first five commandments, he basically... Um, he basically wanted to make sure that the first five that were covered were were directed first and foremost to him. Because if we can't accomplish if we cannot accomplish the commandments towards God, how in the world are we going to accomplish commandments towards one another? We can't we cannot just look at the last five and ignore the first five because we've completely missed the mark. We don't even want to, we don't want to miss any of them. You know, I like to, I also like to call this 10 things to know about God, right? I mean, there's so much more, but he only gave 10 particular commandments to Moses, which really, if you think about it, a lot of us can't even keep all 10 of them. I'm sure many claim to, but uh, they'd, they'd be, uh, you know, sinning out of lying if you think about it at times. So, I want to jump right into into the first five here today. We're going to be looking at the first five of the um, of the vertical commandments. And what he says first and foremost in chapter twenty, if you have a Bible, in chapter twenty it says, "And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, and you shall have no other gods before me." And you shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath. And you shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands." To those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, that's the first commandment, and that's quite a bit there. You know, that was the most that was said in regards to just addressing the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, let's think about how important that is here, because... When God led the people out of the land of, of Egypt into Canaan, Canaan, just like Egypt, worshipped other gods. But the thing was that these other gods did not exist. These other gods 
were worshipped, they were created, they were carved. And, and my understanding throughout archaeology, you know, we've found a lot of these carved images in the regions from those thousands of years ago when they did take over the land. Now, as God is addressing his people of Israel, he's addressing the people who know better because these are the people who knew God, the people who heard his voice, the people who witnessed his existence. And unfortunately, the thing about Israel is, is that years later, they're going to fail in this first commandment. They're, they're going to fail in, in, in having no other gods because they did create other gods or worship the other gods of their pagan neighbors. And that just has to anger God, right? That man's the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods before me. And then he explained what he did for him and why. And I think to myself, I think to myself like, well, you know, when we look at our day and age, we look at our day and age and I think to myself that, well, a lot of people worship something. We worship something more than we do God. And, and if you are a parent, if God has given you children, I want you to imagine your children looking up to a, a parent, if you will, that's not of you, and, and one, that, one that's a, a bad example that's going to lead your child astray. Now, that would anger you to your core. So I understand where God's coming from this, because again, none of these other gods that people worship, number one, they didn't exist. Number two, none of these gods, if you've ever studied any form of mythology or, or, or polytheism, none of these gods ever loved anyone. None of these gods ever cared for any of them, because these gods were normally gods of wrath, or they were gods of anger, or gods of some sort of sexual debauchery. None of them were in, of any good, but yet they were worshipped. Very interesting. And, and so, when, when he says, you shall not make yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything in heaven above or that in earth beneath that is in the water of the earth, well, again, it's interesting because all of this stuff was, was done uh, many times over. You know, it's amazing, you know, in places where earthquakes are, are, um, are quite... Uh, quite often happening, you know, these people that have their little uh, carved images and stuff that they worship, you know, they, they they have to protect them when they fall off the shelf, you know, they, they're protecting their gods, you know, they, they, these little gods should be worshiping them, you know, vice versa. So yes, I understand where God's coming from in this. Why would we want to worship anything else when he has made himself known? But here's the kicker of another thing here in, in verse 7. Something that we've been failing for years to do. The commandment that you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will, hold, uh, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You know, I've heard, I've heard that uh, being done so many times over the years. And there was a time where we just really, we really didn't think too much of it until you really knew until you really know who God is. And that just really, again, just really boils the blood of, of his true followers. We, we forget, the, uh, we forget the, the, the reverence of his name. We forget the, the importance of his name and who, he, who it is that he is and what he's done. To use, to use the name of our God in vain is really a technical slap to the face. 
Because I've never heard anybody else utilize some other entity's name whenever they smash their finger. <laughs> I, I've never seen anybody, um, you know, bl blame uh, other sources when when something horrific has happened. They 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 blame God, and yes, He allows things to happen, but there's also other sources as well. And to to take His name in vain. He, his name is, is, his name isn't even spelled amongst his people if you knew that. They were, they refused to spell his name because of the holiness and reverence of his name. So yet to, if, if there's that much reverence to where they, they will not even write his name down in, in, in its spelling for the sake of misspelling or even just writing it down, that there is a reverence. Of respect that I think that we've lost in our society. I look at the Masoretic scribes before the printing press was ever invented. And when they were copying the Bible down. And whenever they wrote the name of God down. Yahweh. Whenever they wrote the name of God down in, in their writings. They would change their they would change the ink in their pen. They would change their clothes. Take a bath. Get dressed. Get new ink. And start all over again. Out of reference for his name. You know, whenever we've denounced the name of a family member to somebody or said something bad about somebody's family member, you know, those are fighting words and stuff. And, and yet, you know, we, we think to ourselves, we don't give a second thought whenever somebody uses God's name in vain. And, and we don't re they don't realize the seriousness of it. You know, I, I think to myself that God is... Just what the Bible said he is. Showing mercy to thousands. Right? Showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And that was in verse 6. And that's what he does. He shows mercy. He shows love to those. He, You know, we got to remember that we don't keep his commandments. We don't keep every one of them. But yet he still continues to lift us up when we fall. He's the one who's helping to dust us off. He's the one who's who's encouraging us to try again. And, and as this may seem, as this may seem as we read the Ten Commandments, okay, when we read the laws, if you will, you know, it's a, it's a very discouraging thing. Because, again, we think of the word laws. We think of, of, of a curse word in itself. But when we look at the laws, we look at the laws because these laws basically help us to maneuver around society, if you think about it. And when I look at the Ten Commandments, they were the same thing in order to maneuver around walking with God and, and the ability to walk around with others as well. You know, we try to obey speed limits, do we not? You know, a lot of people don't. <laughs> but, you know, we know that when we see that uh, police car up ahead, we, uh, we lift our foot off the gas just a little bit. You know, when, when I look at speed limit signs around areas that I've driven, say like windy mountain towns, and when it tells you to drive 45 miles per hour on there, I can see why, because if you're driving any faster... I've noticed that on those center divider areas that are protecting people from going off the cliff, a lot of those have been damaged or even broken open. Somebody wasn't following the speed limit. See, somebody paved the road and somebody test drove the road in order for, for the speed limit to have been put on. And the speed limit was there 
to give us an, uh, some direction on how fast and how we can maneuver around our areas without causing a, you know any form of destruction, hopefully. And we need to look at this in the same demeanor. It was the same thing. I've grown, I've grown into a very uh, great appreciation for this to where I didn't when I was younger because we thought to ourselves, like, oh, great rules, you know, we don't want to read this. No, it's good. It's a good thing. Now, we have to keep in mind, though, that when we look at certain commandments, there was one that we're going to get into here in just a little bit, and it was regarding that of the Sabbath. So, when we look at Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel. And yes, they were given to all people. But we're going to be observing the one commandment that, that was basically, that, that changed within time. And, and there's some out there that don't like this, but if you've read the New Testament, it'll explain who the Sabbath was and who it was for and, and, and who became the Sabbath for us. And that was our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. But when God gave the when God gave the the instructions on the Sabbath, we're going to take a look here basically on what God instituted. In verse 8 it says, "Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy." Ah. So this commandment actually was given to Adam before the fall. Okay? God created it for two reasons. First of all, it was for physical, and it was also for spiritual benefits for the people. And out of its number one importance, it was to be holy. Now, within time, the Jews created things that could not be done on the Sabbath. Okay, they could, uh, These particular laws can be found on the Jewish Talmud, or in the Book of Jubilees, which is also called the Lesser Genesis. And in that was 39 Sabbath laws of what could not be done. And if you've observed some of these laws, you think to yourself, like, wow, this is extreme. How in the world can anybody um, accomplish these laws, these Sabbath laws? And some of them are just like, goodness, are you kidding me, right? There, there was a pastor that I knew who, um, one of my pastors I grew up, uh, listened to over the years, that I've learned from over the years, who grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in, in uh, California. And one day on a Sunday, he took out the trash. Uh, and when he was a kid, uh, he went out into the back alley. Uh, he was just a kid at the time, and he, he went out into the back alley to take out the trash. And the neighbor kids, the, the Jewish neighbor kids, uh, stood on the fence yelling that you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you took, a, you know, you're working on the Sabbath, you're working on the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting was it took more work for them to climb on the fence and yell that out more than it did him to throwing the trash away. But the worship, the the worship and the time with him was what he wanted. Why? Because, because work equaled money. And, and that took precedence with some, right? It, it's the money that took precedence. The activities and the money took his place. Because, because work is God's created order. But some hate it and, and don't work, and some love it too much where it became their life. What happened? Worship fell by the wayside here. Now let's look at verse 9 to 10. It says, in verse 9 it says, Six days ye shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant, nor your cattle, your stranger who is within your gates. 
Now, if you work five days to them, you were breaking the Sabbath, okay? Because the, uh, the Sabbath day started Friday evening to Saturday evening. Now, again, who did he say this to? It was the children of Israel. This was the one commandment that did not pertain to us in the laws of labor. Though it's good to take, it is good to take that one day. Because it has been proven, the benefits of taking it easy one day a week. This was God's created order. The outlook is, yeah, I want to stay home and do nothing, right? Good times, we think. But, but nothing is more relaxing than being in the Lord's presence and worship. Nothing's more relaxing than being in prayer and in His Word. We call it the Lord's Day. We call it the Lord's Day, where we gather and worship, in that collective worship. But we are observing what God instructed them in worship on that day. See, what God implemented was good. What man added was extreme measures to lead to failure. See, it would be as if you should uh, tie yourselves to the bed in order to stay in the confines of the laws. And I, I know another pastor who, spo uh, who spoke about a Sabbath day that he spent with a uh, Jewish family. He, he said it was very calm, peaceful, very uneventful. They sat on the front porch all day talking about the Lord and life and miscellaneous things, right? And that's great. Everyone wants to take it easy. But they were not to take someone from this day to, to be with God and their families. That was the thing. And it was also used to allow that time, uh, you know, for, to, to women, slaves, or even the cattle of people who, uh, that owned cattle. The, the, the Sabbath day was God's created day for worship, and it, and it was a form of humanity to all people. And to the whole nation this was commanded. This was, this was not just an excuse to be lazy for a day. It was sacred and special. Even if you were a stranger or a foreigner, it was to, it was to you as well. In fact, people would drive in a neighborhood in Israel, as of, you know, we're talking just recent here, I've heard, people that would drive in a certain neighborhood in Israel on a Sabbath day and, and they would have rocks thrown at their car. So it was almost like a modern day stoning. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it, uh, in a few chapters later, uh, we're going to see that where, where God basically implemented that if anybody breaks the Sabbath law, they were to be put to death. Uh, and, and again, very extreme measures. And, and so I understand why the Jews created all these laws now after hearing that. We better, we better make sure that we're doing everything correctly. But, you know, but in the sense that we're missing the mark in things. Uh, with, with a lot of things as we were able to observe later on. I don't think anybody could really truly keep all of those things. And thank God for Christ that he was our Sabbath and he's the, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Because we celebrate the Lord's Day. So let's take a look here as we continue what God said in verse 11 to finish off. It said, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this was a, this was a very misinterpreted this was a very misinterpreted uh, verse of the Sabbath and of God, because this was reminding them of what God did as He completed the earth. God didn't fall on His throne out of out of breath, saying, "Man, I'm going to sleep for a week." We, you know, we forget that there is a universe out there that scientists today in, in 2019 is where we're in that admit that only 5% only 5% of the universe has been discovered by us 95% of it is unknown see God didn't have to rest 
it was like an artist when completing their masterpiece. They, all they do is they sit back and observe the piece because there's nothing more to be done. He blessed that day. He hollowed it, which means hollowed means to be set apart, right? To make holy, a, a day of celebration and worship. You know, remember that the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And what a gift that God would command that, a, a, that He would command a day with Him, a day a day of rest. Because you know the, the Jews were working all the time. I mean, they were enslaved by these by the Egyptians, abused by them, and, and God set aside this time, this special time. It, 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 he observed what happened to them, and He was just like, "I'm going to do something special for you," but I also want it to be special for me, right? It, it, it was a combination. And again, in the context, this was a commandment for Israel, not to the other nations. Because we are not obligated to observe certain days. We, we don't have to fulfill these things, because Christ fulfilled all. Right? He said that he was the Sabbath, and the, and the religious leaders, they tried to stone him for it. But again, what this is about is it's about recognition. It's about holiness, fellowship, time set apart. We don't want to ignore the concept of this commandment. Because, because we forget that God created us. And he knows that a day of rest is good after a week of activity. See, what Sabbath was, was a gift. It, it was a refreshing time with friends, family, but more importantly with God. But in the form of family dinner, right? A loving parent who each week has the tradition of a family dinner. They are so excited for that time that that is what God set aside for him and his people that we need to recognize the importance of the time with him. Now let's take let me take you back to the time that I remember in the passage where Jesus was in the house visiting with the sisters Martha and Mary. We had Martha who's running around with um you know kind of like a chicken with its head cut off. But yet Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then Martha comes in complaining. And says, Lord, tell her to get up and help me. <laughs> and Jesus' response was, Martha, 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 you, you concern yourself with much. But she is spending time with me. That is important. See, the Lord's day is every day as far as I'm concerned. But one day is all he wanted. And if you ever notice the mind and heart and the requests of God... It was always for our benefit. And second, it was, it was never a sense of impossible. Because God made it, and he made us able to do what he, uh, what he commanded. See, it was up to us to do it or not. And when we did it, we, we were blessed. But we're going to be continued to be blessed. You know, so yes, we, we could look at and say that, you know what, well, yes, nine commandments do, do uh, basically pertain to us if you are a Gentile. <laughs> the, the Sabbath laws were given to the children of Israel in this particular, in particular way. God set this aside for them. But all the commandments, if we look at them... If you look at these commandments, even even when we get to the to the other commandments that pertain to one another, we see the benefit. We see that that God is good all the time. 
And, and when you see, when, when you look at the uh, Ten Commandments, you know, we used to have them posted on the walls in our schools. We used to have them posted in our city, uh, in our city areas, in our offices, but they've been taking them down in places because they don't want to mix, um, religion is what they call it. Well, I even hate to refer it to that because these were just the commandments of God that even atheists would look at and say that, yeah, these are good things. They follow it, but they just don't give credit where credit is due. But it's time for us to give the credit where credit is due. Observe these. Let's observe these together and, and see the goodness of God and see the goodness of what was created. See the goodness of, of what would be in mankind if we did follow these Ten Commandments or even these five first that we're going to look at. In the next round, we're going to be looking at the other five which have to do with one another. But we could never, never accomplish the, the last five commandments with one another if we cannot accomplish the first five with God. If we do not put God first, then that means we're putting someone or something else first ahead of Him. See, people would say that, you know, when, when we read about there where God says, I'm, an, I'm a jealous God, you know. I've heard people say, oh, I can't follow a God who's jealous. Well, you'd be, we're all jealous when somebody, when we're put, a, you know, on the back burner by somebody that we love. God should be first. It's a lesson I've learned the hard way. And I want to share that with people, that, that you must put God first. If we don't put God first, then nothing will ever be right. Nothing will ever be right in our lives, in our families, with, with, with anything. Because we're going to be spending an eternity in His presence. Yes, we're going to have one another to spend eternity with, but we're just, you know, we're, we're the icing on the cake, if you will. The, the importance is our presence, the presence of God and our presence with Him. We are just an added bonus. And so may we, may we make sure that we, we look at God with the reverence that those did, that those did in the past. You know, I, I really fear that, uh, we're all getting just so laxed with, with things nowadays. Churches have become more commercialized. It's become a, a form of social compatibility where common truth is no longer a factor. But when we create common truth first in the name of the Lord and in His Word, then social compatibility will become, nor- will become normal. So look at these first five commandments. Remember that, to keep God first. Do not take his name in vain. Have no other gods before him. And, and, and remember the Sabbath, okay? When, our Sabbath, whatever it might be. Some people want to celebrate it on Saturday. That's fine. Some people celebrate it on Sunday when the Lord rose. Wonderful. That's the, what we do. How often do we spend it with him? But how well do we spend it with him? You know, nothing's worse than wasted time. Well, time can be redeemed when he gives it to us, and I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would redeem the time. I pray that we would look deep into these things that God tells us, even from the days of the old, because it was the, it was the word of God. And I'm just interested in him so much more and more. I want to see what it is that he said and, and what he did and... And it's just, again, it's just such a blessing to know that, that 
that he never changed. He hasn't changed. He's still the same God. His word stands forever. So if you want to receive, if you want to receive him, if you want to, if you want to be able to see him in heaven and be a part with him in heaven, I'd mention the Lord and Savior Christ Jesus who died on the cross, who was our Sabbath. Because there was one instrument. We have one instrument that was both horizontal and vertical. And that was the instrument of the cross. When he died on that cross, he accomplished all things in God's work. And the greatest accomplishment, the greatest accomplishment was, was that for his sacrifice for salvation of sins. We now have access. We have had access for 2,000 years. So let us take advantage of that. And how do I do that? You, it's simple. You receive Him into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And we do that by a prayer. And if you feel the need, if you feel the, the, the drive to, to come to Him and say, Lord, I want you as my, my Father and my Lord, my Savior, you can say this prayer. Say this prayer after me right now. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. As I ask of you to come into my heart now, Lord. That you would receive me as one of yours, Lord. As I receive you as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. Thank you for washing away my sins. And give me, Lord, a new life. As I receive you now, Lord as my Father and my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, next time we're going to be looking at the, uh, the last five commandments. The commandments that has to do with one another. So again, may we just continue to, to take a look at, at these things. Because they are important to us. They were important to God. He wanted us to observe these things for a good reason. Oh, he always knows what he's doing more than we ever will. The only reason we know what we're doing is because we've observed his word and followed it. So may we take this time together as we venture through his word. May we grow. May we grow in him. May we grow with one another and see his glory and see his faith. See his face. Hear his voice. And may we continue to bring others to Him, because that's what He wants. May God bless and keep you, and watch over you always.